Hello, James here, and welcome to the Doc Talk podcast with Dr. Jenna Burton. I wanted to have a little chat with you before we dove into the podcast because this podcast is all about COVID 19. And COVID 19 has become this word, this idea, this thing that now permeates everything you think, you do, you believe. It's really rather incredible how our lives have been turned upside down. Actually, not only have they been turned upside down for you, but they've been turned upside down in this podcast sphere that I live in with Potaholics and the James Cast, or James Cast and the Potaholics, depends on how you're listening to us right now. Even though we set out to not talk about COVID-19 on a regular basis. It seems to be we talk about COVID-19 on a regular basis, if you know what I mean. Well, the reason I wanted to have a little chat with you about all of this was because, as I said, this podcast with Dr. Jenna is all about COVID-19. We always say, let's go talk to the doctor. Let's go talk to our doctor and find out what they know and what they think. So Dr. Jenna is your doctor. And so we're going to go talk to her about that. No sooner had we stopped the podcast where we done and moving on i get a message from jenna this is the message this is why it's difficult talking about bloody covid <laughs> james because there's so much conflicting information so one standpoint is and has been you have one vaccine and then you get another one that you know if there's no other one available then it's okay and uh, just have a look at this article because it um, says completely the opposite which is interesting really um but yeah and i guess Nobody really knows the final answer, but something I'm going to look a bit more into afterwards because I'm, I'm curious. So the reality is things are changing rapidly with respect to our knowledge, our understanding, our education about COVID-19. Pick your resources. Pick your information wisely. Be media literate. Think about what you're doing. Think about what people are saying. And generally have, a, have, 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 have sober thought when it comes to what you're doing with respect to this pandemic. That being said, this was a fantastic podcast. So let's jump in and give it a listen. Here we go. It's Doc Talk time. Neve's sleeping because that baby only ever sleeps. I've only ever seen that baby sleep. Not anymore, James. Uh, Not yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I seeing? sleeping baby but, but oh. she does a lot more than that now she cries she vomits all she has be- explosive bottom oh lovely all the all the good things that make a mom and dad happy super duper hey so we got we got lots to talk about we, we yeah yeah we're let's, on time let's we're on time and oh i gotta share this one thing you won't believe this this was like almost i almost died i went into my folder <laughs> where all of my my audio and video stuff is and like the last month was gone. Oh, no, why? I, that's what I'm I'm looking at it. I'm going, hold on a second. I know that sometimes I forget stuff because, but no, no, no. I remember putting stuff in there. And like, we're talking some really big files and that. And then I'm going. I was going to say. And then I'm going. It's all of us. It's the guys that you've done the one-offs with. Yeah. And so then I'm going, hold on a second. I've seen some warnings coming up on my screen about files being downloaded or deleted. I'm going, I never really put two and two together. And then I realized those were, were Dropbox warnings. And then so I went to my Dropbox folder and I'd actually shared one of my folders for Potaholics 
with another person. And I guess they forgot that I had shared it with them and they were deleting stuff. And so I'm going, crap. So the only good thing is Dropbox has a, I mean, I pay for Dropbox. So I've got a paid version so I can get more storage. And all of your deleted items stick around for a, like over a month. So I just you went into the, I went into the deleted thing and went undelete, 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 and took them off my share. <laughs> Cool thing, because imagine if imagine if they'd just gone. Well, I know, I know. I was going. Oh my! All, all that work that you've done a month's a month's worth. Of well, work. but now because of that, and this was before, I don't delete stuff off of the other external storage that I use. I wait for until it gets pretty full before I delete it, because in case something happens and it gets lost somewhere, so that's all the more reason to do that. <laughs> really stresses me out things like that i find oh. it really stressful. Oh, me- even the fact that it can happen to somebody yeah yeah oh, oh yeah i thought you'd written i was just getting the crib sheet up but i thought you'd written something but it was me no, no i didn't write anything more you, you you've got like the the list of 25 things there or something or other it's like there's quite, i've put other bits there's this photographs i felt yeah. like it was lacking personality james I, it was lacking personality but that's okay because you're going to do all the talking hey should we start let's do it ready to rock and roll okay here we go That intro means it's Potaholics time and Dr. Jenna and I are both at home. We're Zooming. <laughs> so we're in the confines of our own domiciles. And oh, that's that's professor talk there, by the way. I've just been professoring. So uh, that's why it sounds like that. We're going to be talking medicine, doc talk with Dr. Jenna Burton. And this is actually going to be a lot of fun because, because typically... When we start talking about Corona, and I've been I've been talking about coronavirus, saying I'm sick of talking about the coronavirus, yet it factors into every conversation. But what does everyone say when you talk Corona? They say, "Oh, I got to talk to my doctor." Ha! <laughs> We've got the doctor, so she must know everything and anything about vaccines, viruses, uh, you know, nasal swabs, rectal swabs, which they're doing in China. And more when it comes to, they are doing rectal swabs in uh, in China to test for uh, corona. They're not doing, just doing, they, they, now hopefully they don't do the rectal and the nose and the throat all at the same time. I'm hoping not, but I thought it was very interesting. It's a little the invasive. Key is what order they do the swab in, James, which one do they do first? <laughs> but, but Jenna, don't, don't you, don't you just hate it? That you're, you always get these phone calls or people, I mean, inevitably, every, people, when they realize, hey, this is Dr. Jenna, you know, this, don't you always get people thinking you must know everything and anything about the coronavirus? Well, the thing is, is I know you're saying that ironically because you know I don't know everything. <laughs> and nobody can because yeah. unless you are front edge cutting, like say, front of the cutting edge research on every aspect of the coronavirus, of course you don't know everything and things are coming through daily. So unless you are sitting glued to a screen researching everything, then you can't know. And you know that better than anybody being a professor, if your professor speak. So, yes, people expect you to know everything, not just about corona, but about everything in life. I remember one time I didn't have children, had not long graduated, and my friend's child started to climb onto this little coffee table. Uh And she just looked at me and she's like, what are you doing? Why, Why have you stood by? And let the child climb onto the coffee table. It wasn't my coffee table; it was their coffee table. So I assume this was something that they did regularly. Okay. I'm like, aren't you a doctor? And I was like, I'm really sorry. I have no idea what what is appropriate for your child at home because I'm a doctor. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh man! Here we are, pandemic. We're a year in. 
I remember when we talked about it the first time. I got to go. I haven't posted up that video thing, but we've we've got that podcast up. I, I should go back and dig it out. We're a year in, and like you said, there is so much information out there. Different jurisdictions are dealing with things differently. You've got the the drug manufacturer saying something. You've got governments countering that or being you know leery. We see that right now with AstraZeneca and and stuff. It's it's cra- and then and then you know we've got different parts of the world using different vaccines and and you know the EU is not necessarily using the Sinopharm vaccine from China, but Hungary is, and Hungary's part of the EU. It's like okay, hold on a second. So how does that fit? Because they're saying you know what. We're going with your first, uh, the first words that came out of your mouth, and that was, any vaccine is a good vaccine. So get some level of protection. It's like, man, where do you go with all this? It's it's a lot of confusing information. And I'd lie if I said that at the beginning when the vaccines came out, I wasn't apprehensive about the thoughts of a vaccine that that had come through so quickly. And I had to do my own research into them to establish hang on is this something that i want my family to have yeah um and also you know a lot of people have been coming to me to ask questions on which 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 vaccine should i have should i get vaccinated will it affect my fertility um i'm pregnant should i get a vaccine i'm breastfeeding should i get a a vaccine should i give my children a vaccine when it's ready you know everyone's got questions yeah why has it gone through so quickly uh you know and the main question now is less about should i have a vaccine but which one should i have sure and there's, you know, you, you've got the, you've got the, the, you know, the, the things like the Modernas and the, the BioNTechs and, and stuff that are, are really interesting, so experimental in, in what they're doing yes. with them, in a sense. I mean, as opposed to our traditional vaccines, when we go way back to, you know, the polio vaccine, we've, we do have some vaccines that are still being made using that tried and true technology. So you got, you know, differing technologies, what they do. What an amazing time to be around and a confusing time. And then for you, because everyone's coming to you, I am, I'm kind of old. I've got allergies. I've got this, I've got that fertility, as you said, (laughs) I'm glad I'm not you. To be honest though, a lot of it is just media hype. People jump on the bandwagon. So for instance, let's just address infertility. There's a huge discussion going on in, in the mass media about, oh my goodness, how these vaccines are starting to affect fertility. And, you know, should you take them if you think about getting pregnant? Maybe you should wait three months. That seems to be the, the thing that I keep hearing. And actually, when you do your research, there has been no vaccine ever that has uh, affected fertility mm. in the history of vaccines. Um, from, from the reading that I can gather, I say that loosely because you never yeah. you can never say that for sh- with complete certainty, but from the big big vaccines that we've used on a regular basis, They've not been shown to affect fertility. Mm. And again, this one, that's like saying the vaccine could make you purple because, yes, in theory it could. There's not been enough research to suggest that you can say it definitely can't, but there's absolutely nothing to suggest that it does either. Uh. And yet, for whatever reason, people have jumped on this bandwagon of, oh, my goodness, I'm not sure if I can get the vaccine and think about having a child. Mm. You know, so it is. It's very confusing, and there's an awful lot of contradictory information out there. I got another. I got another one that I want you to address. The big word that everyone uses, and we hear it in government officials, we hear it in the media: efficacy. Yeah. <laughs> What's the? And there's multiple efficacies when we start. You know, there's there's the overall efficacy. There's the efficacy of ending up in the hospital. I mean, can you talk to me about that term? What does it mean? 
Yeah, so first of all, what people are looking at with efficacy is how well does the vaccine stop you from getting the virus? Uh, Now, remember, one, all these vaccines have got different types of trials. So how have they conducted the trial? Who have they conducted the trial on? What percentage of the population have they conducted the trial on? So when you're comparing one efficacy to another, it's not always like for like. And unless you are privy to all that information or you've been on the websites and you've, which actually it is available on the WHO website, if you want to have a little look at more detail about the vaccines and how they've been tested. So unless you've really done your homework, it's very difficult to say, this efficacy can be compared directly to this efficacy. Mm. Um, also, it's looking at, you, you don't know what does each individual trial mean? What is their definition of efficacy? So is it saying uh. how many people does it stop killing? Does it mean how many people stop getting the virus? Does it mean how many people getting the worst strain of the virus or a more asymptomatic strain of the virus? What I can tell you is all the vaccines that are out, the current data suggests that every single one is 100% effective at preventing deaths from COVID. See, that's that's the efficacy that we want, right? Like that's the number that we want to hear. Yes, exactly. So 100% effective in in stopping, I was about to say killing deaths, which (laughs) doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean, in in preventing COVID death. Now, what it might not mean is, so for instance, let's look at the Oxford vaccine. Um, it might be that that's showing sort of 60, 65% efficacy. That may mean that you are still able to get an asymptomatic strand of the COVID. So yes, you, you get a COVID infection, but you're asymptomatic. You don't even know you've got it. It's not affecting you. It's not going to affect anybody else around you apart from that they catch an asymptomatic strain. So it's not really something that is of great concern. The reason that we're having these vaccines is to effectively prevent death and, and ICU admissions and to stop the hospitals being overrun. So if you're none the wiser that you have COVID, which for instance, like like I had it and I didn't even know I had it, then what's the problem? And yet you're, you're saying, oh, I can't get that vaccine. It's only 60%, even though that is a much more tolerated vaccine than others. Right. Okay, here's another question. If you've had... COVID, like yourself, I mean, you had the virus, you had one of the strains. Yeah. Do you need to get a vaccine? In theory, in theory, normally, if you've had something, they say you would not necessarily need the vaccination if you can prove you've got the antibodies against it. However, because this is a really new virus, the recommendation is that you should have the vaccine there is talk and it's early talk of only needing to get one shot of the vaccine. However, as it stands at the moment, the recommendation is whether you've had COVID or you've not, you should still have both vaccinations. And that is just as it stands. And it's because there is not enough data to say that once you've had COVID, whether it's an asymptomatic COVID or a more severe strain of COVID, that you are going to have your immunity cells for long enough as well to last. So in theory once you've had it yeah you should have your antibodies why get a vaccination or you might need a little boost with just one one of the vaccines but sadly at the moment it stands that you still need to have the two which is a shame because it'd be great to think that's yeah. it i'm done i guess done. i don't need an injection and you know what a lot of people are very very needle shy so they get very nervous at the thoughts of having a vaccination anyway at least it's a small needle it's not one of those big giant pen shaped things it's you know, like a gamma goblin needle, the thing's the size of a, a you know, a small, uh, a, it's like you're tapping a tree to get maple syrup out when you get one of those needles. This is just a tiny little thing. 
which is nice. Some people, it doesn't make any difference. And a lot of people, when they have injections of okay. any kind or they have blood taken, they get like a vague basal reaction, so they faint. So you always, if you're giving a vaccine in theory, you should be sat on a chair with arms on either side because a lot of people don't even know they're going to, they don't feel nervous. They don't even know they're going to get this reaction. Then the next minute they pass out. And, and funnily enough, I used to run like a family vaccination clinic years ago, okay. just as part of my NHS work. And you would find that the most nervous about vaccines and the ones that would try anything to dodge getting their vaccination, like the annual flu vaccine, would be the really big, muscly guys. Really? So, yeah, and they'd have these little petite wives who were like, yeah, 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 that's fine, I'll get it now. And then these big, muscly guys that, you know, you wouldn't want to meet down a dark alley, they would be the ones that were absolutely terrified of having a vaccination. Uh, the same. Um, I mean, it lasts two minutes, think about, yeah. gosh... My children are tiny. They've had like a million and one vaccines already and injections. So we've got a man up. It takes it. Okay. It will only hurt for a second. There you go. Okay. Another question. When we're looking at the list Gosh, of vaccines. Have you got a list of questions for me today? Is this our- Yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> you're our the doctor. Efficiency. Everyone asks the doctor all the questions. So I'm getting a, I'm, I'm doing a community <laughs> service here. <laughs> so is, we've got the different efficacies, but really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we just don't want to end up on a ventilator and potentially, you know, get rolled out of a hospital. And and the numbers are, I mean, I, I think Italy, 500 deaths a day, France, 400 deaths a day right now. I mean, those are, I, I heard those numbers and I'm just going, what? That's, that's insane numbers for something. Can, you're ultimately trying to you're trying to eradicate the more severe yeah. strain for now it's because this is an emergency vaccine it's been released right you know it, it's gone through a slightly different pathway to normal so we're trying to prevent death and prevent right. severe covid of course now, could you talk a little bit jenna about you know for instance pfizer was one of the first off the block and it's a it's a an mnra type of vaccine, which is very different than your tradi- tra- traditional vaccines when you think about some of the things that we're going, that we've we've had, and some of the vaccines that are coming about. I know that you mentioned, and I'm, I'm going to waffle here for a bl- little bit, but I know you mentioned the, the World Health Organization. And within the World Health Organization's evaluation process, there are currently 15 vaccines on that list with only uh, eight that have actually been approved. Uh, no, less than eight that have been approved at this point. Five, five. So only four have been approved with another five are in the process and getting very close to that. Within that that bundle, and, and one of the things we talk about is COVAX. We hear about COVAX, which is this consortium for vaccines. We You get people now with the vaccines that are coming out going, oh, hold on, I want the Oxford. No, I want the Moderna. No, hold on, I want the Pfizer. No, hold on, I want to wait for. What's the difference between some of these different vaccines, like the MNRA and, say, a you know what they're doing with the human androvirus vector-based vaccines out of yeah. Russia? So there's four different types of vaccine available at the moment and there's crossover. So you might have two different companies that are issuing the same type of virus, the same type of vaccine. So the, the bog standard, the one that we've used many, many times is either, a, 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 it's basically a real virus. Mm-hmm. However, it's either a dead virus or it's one that has passed through a few generations. So it's now so weak, it's not actually make, going to make you 
really poorly. It's not going to actually give you the full-blown, say, COVID-19 in this instance. And that's the one that a lot of people feel the safest with because it, it's age-old technology. We've used it before. Can I just say that all of the vaccines that are available at the moment, they're actually older technology than maybe we're aware of. So I think even myself did a recall when I heard about, say, Pfizer, for instance, with the mRNA, uh, which I'll explain in a second, because we think, oh, gosh, it's brand new, therefore it's unsafe. Actually, these are being used, been tested many, many times and for many, many years. It's just that it's not been mainstream vaccination, so it's not something we're aware of. So as I say, that's that's the, the virus. It's a real virus or it's a dead virus, and it's very weak. And basically what it does is the body sees the virus, learns to identify the virus and produces antibodies against it. So although this virus doesn't make you unwell, when you meet the real virus in the future, your body recognizes it a lot quicker, uh, okay. makes the antibodies a lot quicker, and you can rid it before it starts to take hold of, of, of you. And these are the old, these are the, the tried and true vaccines that we're talking about. This is the really old, that, that's the most old school. Okay. The other three all have the same idea. Well, all of them have the same idea. On top of every single virus is what's being now called a spike protein. I know it's an antigen. And it's almost like wearing a really identifiable hat. Okay. So say you had a particular hat that everyone in the whole world could recognize you from, then that's what all these are trying to show you is that virus's hat. And then, therefore, in the future, your body can recognize that hat and say, that's COVID-19's hat, I best make some antibodies against it. So the other one that uses a, a virus is it's, um, it's a virus that houses mRNA. So oh. it's a virus that houses the genetic code to make that hat. So therefore, your body sees the hat but through another virus, if that makes sense. And again, it's a weak virus. It's not one that's going to affect you. The other is a virus that just happens to, uh, sorry, it's, it just is the hat. So there's no virus, but it's just the hat. Okay. And then the, the last one is, the, say, for instance, the Pfizer, which is the most new, which is just the genetic code for the mRNA. So it makes your, your body effectively will make its own hat so that you can identify it and kill it. Does that make sense? I've never yeah. used actually the analogy of the hat before. Yeah, that's a good idea. So that's really interesting that it, you know, with the, the Pfizer one, that it's training you, training your body to make the hat. The, 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 the big question, and this is always the one that comes about. So we got these different, these different technologies all working in slightly different ways to do, to get to the same goal of protecting us so you can't really mix and match vaccines then i couldn't go for an old school one and then say i'm going to get my second shot of another vaccine it's not recommended however i think if if you haven't to be honest even in skincare sounds silly even in skincare if someone's using one product from one company so they cleanse with one and they tone with another it's not ideal because the idea is you're they'll all work ever so slightly differently and you want to use the same brand throughout the whole process so that you get number one, two, three, four, and five on, onwards, et cetera. Right. However, if you have moved country and you've had one vaccine, but the vac- that vaccination is no longer available in the UAE, then it is acceptable to go and get a different vaccine because ultimately you're just trying to get enough hats that your body can recognize it enough, produce enough antibodies, get your memory cells so that when you identify that in the future, you can make as many antibodies to get rid of it quickly. So they all, although they are different technology, ultimately all they're doing is, is showing the body a hat and, you know, a viral hat, so which is mm. the spike protein that everybody is referring to. So slightly different. 
all known to work enough so that you are, are you are not going to get severely unwell with COVID. And they all actually have the same idea. And so far, despite a lot of mass media attention, the ones that have been tried, the ones that have been tested, the ones that have been rushed, in theory, we say rushed through the process to have emergency approval. They actually just had the money behind them to be approved quickly enough. So normally there's there's a lot of, of waiting and delays uh, in order to get seek approval from the right authorities. This has had the money behind it to be put through very quickly. And there has not been any severe side effects so far that, that have been spoken of. And if you look on the WHO or the CDC, they group all the vaccines together with regards to talking about approvals and talking about who can and have not who can and can't have the vaccine. Interesting. All right. That's really important. To, and I mean, the, 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 the sort of the end goal here is get a vaccine at this point. Like when you're, when you're looking at all this, is there any doubt in your mind about getting vaccinated? Of course, it's different, isn't it, this time? It's not It's not like we're going for our MMR jab that's been around for many, many, many years and that people that may have had it when they were younger and now in their old age and have not been affected. It doesn't matter what you read, what science you, you come across. It's still a little bit unnerving, the fact that it's been rolled out quickly. Mm. People can tell you why. So like I've just said, it's an administration thing. It's a money thing. So it's not had the barriers to being released as quickly as things would have been done previously. But it's still, you know, you're still going to have maybe a seed of doubt. Some people don't. Some people are so frightened of COVID that they don't have that seed of doubt. Yeah. And and that is also appropriate, especially that some of the newer strains that are coming in are seen to affect younger people, healthier people with no previous medical conditions. However, it's it, it doesn't matter. It's still, it's, it can still make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, however, I think it's also going to be completely unavoidable. If you're somebody that wants to travel, attend an office, go and pick up your children from school, I can just see around the corner it's going to be. You can do so when you've got your vaccination card. So I think it's going mm. to be an inevitable part of life that you have got to have your COVID-19 vaccine. So, Do, do you think, though, are, are you worried as a medical practitioner that when people get vaccinated, they're going to think, ah, I don't have to social distance as much. Ah, I don't have to think about hygiene as much. Ah, I don't have to wear a mask as much. Do you do you think we can develop a false sense of security? Do you think that other stuff's still going to have to stay in place? Well, in theory, if you if you get rid of COVID nineteen, so say it's now completely eradicated, it takes us back to the beginning. And there's one part of me, there's a fifty percent strand of me that thinks. Gosh, I hope it does go back to normal. I hope people do relax a little bit and we learn to hug each other. We learn how to shake hands. We learn that it's okay to have coughs and colds here and there in order to have that human interaction that we had before. There's the other 50% strand of me that thinks, I hope that we've learned the value of hygiene and that we learn it's important to wash our hands as regularly as we have been, to teach children how to be more aware of the surroundings and more hygienic. And also, how great to go to a soft play here in Dubai. And it looks, you can see your face in the, you know, the, 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 the pads that your children are jumping up and down on. They've got their hands on. I really hope the world is as clean as it is right now. Uh, so I, I'm torn, James. I, I think somewhere in the middle would be appropriate. Mm. What about you? What do you think? Is that you've definitely got OCD. So how do you feel? Oh, no, I'm keeping the mask on for now. I, I think just because I've had the vaccine, I've been vaccinated, doesn't mean that I can't shed and I might not have a reaction, but I'm I'm very concerned that I could oh. be shedding, and I so I don't want to potentially shed and infect someone else. 
And Sorry, you know what? You're referring to just with COVID. I thought you meant sort of worldwide. Oh, generally. no. But the other side of it is I'm kind of thinking, you know, I've traveled to Asia in the past and, and to all sorts of far-flung places. And I've often seen a lot of people wearing masks. And I kind of gone, what's that all about? And now I'm kind of going, what a good idea. <laughs> and you and, know, and, and as the, a health professional, I think we're going to have masks for the yeah. rest of eternity within workplace. Well, and the other one is, I don't know if anyone's been to Malaysia or been to Bangkok or any of these Asian countries where you have food halls, which are spectacular. What do you see there? And this is what the West is missing. You go to a food hall in some of these countries, some of the third world, and there's sinks and soap to wash your hands all available. You don't have to go find it. You don't have to go into a washroom and hunt it down. It's all there. So I think hygiene, I think people are going to become a lot more aware and think a lot more about it. I think that's a good idea. I think that's just, let's do it. It's not that I have the issue with. I think that's, I agree with you. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. You know, food poisoning can be really catastrophic. It can actually kill people. And sometimes people are very unaware of that. My issue is tactile manner yeah. uh, which we've been we've now been what well, we've been denied we've been robbed you know, being able, yeah being able to walk up to somebody shake their hand give them a hug especially good friends people that are in fact there was something released on facebook today it was a friend of a friend who had lost her son and was saying what a lonely lonely grieving yeah. process it has been for them because they've not been able to hug their their friends and I think as well, because I'm quite a tactile person and some people do need that sort of, you know, touch from some someone else and like, a, I don't know, like put yeah. your arm around someone that you've not seen for a while. I, I think that's really important. And I, I hope we don't get so paranoid about the mild infectious diseases that we that we are able yeah, to yeah. go back to a bit more how it was. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to see some, I, I'm like you, I'd like to see a sort of a halfway mark. And yeah. I think we're at least thinking about it, which is kind of good. And, and and I think we've also developed some paranoia, haven't we? Anytime someone coughs, you're like, whoa, what's going on there? Anytime someone sneezes, oh, what's going on there? But the positive side that I think has come from all this, Jenna, is if someone is, is feeling sick and has got the flu or something, now you're forced to stay home and take a sick day. Whereas in the past, how many times have you been in an office where you've got someone who clearly needs to not be there, needs to be at home for a few days? I'm hoping this will start to accelerate a change in workplace culture. Yeah. And who else is going to be calling up pretending that they've got flu-like symptoms in order to get themselves a few extra days off? You know, in, in the NHS, everyone knew, everybody knew, and I'm not saying I did it, but we all knew the ones that did, that when they said they had diarrhea and vomiting, they'd ring up and say, I've got DMV. That was then written off for 48 hours. No questions asked because you are not allowed to be present for 48 hours after you've had diarrhea and vomiting. Uh-huh. And we all know the people that would call up after a night out and say, oh, I've got diarrhea and vomiting, and that was then wiped off. So you also think that, I agree, Totally agree with what you're saying. There's also definitely going to be open to abuse from some of the more yeah. more rogue colleagues amongst us. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think about some of these nasal things that, that people are talking about? And I mean, there's all sorts. You know, the other great thing about this coronavirus, and if there's, if you know, I'm I'm a, a half, I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of person. So I'm always looking for the positive side is we're really starting to think more about alternate ways of testing stuff, alternate ways of treating things. And I just find it interesting that we're now talking about our noses and throats more. 
Well, then there's a, you know that there's in talk for a nasal vaccine and they actually think that uh, once it's past the line, that it could even be more effective again. And I, again, lose that, use that definition loosely because it depends on what they mean by the most effective. Um, but they're looking at it stimulating a greater antibody response. I'm not sure why that is, but I, I love the thoughts of nasal vaccines. Again, it's because of children and mm. the thoughts of at some point this this program, this vaccination program will get rolled out into children. And I don't think it's pleasant for little ones to have vaccination. You can't explain it properly to them. In fact, the, my, my boys went about six months ago for their six, sorry, three year vaccines. Wow. And one of them was so excited. I mean, it didn't. I told him it was going to hurt a little bit. And he was like, it'll only sting a little bit. And he was so excited. And then the look of shock and horror on his face when he realized he was having a needle. You know, if you can, if you can administer that in a, in a different way, in a way that potentially will get an even better response, how fantastic. Yeah. And you're right, James, we're thinking outside the box a little bit more, like how, how wonderful. And this is, and we touched on this sort of last week when we spoke, the countries have been communicating with one another and yeah. have been able to share information, which is something that we don't tend to do within the pharmaceutical industry. So how great is that? Yeah. Hey, I want to, I want to jump back just for a second to some of these vaccines, because you, you must be hearing a lot of this as well. And we know that we've got different types. We've got the protein based, the RNA based, the vector, viral vector, genetically modified virus. Based. I mean, it's wonderful. These words that we, that we're hearing. Every single vaccine that I'm looking at, except for the one that is coming from Janssen at this point, is a two-doser. And that, that one also, the Johnson & Johnson one is tied in with that, where they're talking possibly just a one-doser. What I'm hearing more and more, and I'd love to get your take on this, is different jurisdictions, different countries going, you know what? we only give one dose we're 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 still going to hit that efficacy of the people not ending up on their deathbed what what are your what are your thoughts on that james i mean i get the idea and i think a lot of countries are deciding to try and immunize as many of the population as possible with that first dose rather than thinking we'll take a cohort of the population and make sure they've got the double dose because they're the more at risk yeah I don't think at this stage is a right or a wrong because there's just not enough information. Mm. So I, I personally, I'd probably agree with the, the former comment to say, let's try and get everyone vaccinated at least once. So then at least everyone's got some antibodies against COVID, but that's not backed with research. That's just backed with common sense and my, you know, my personal thoughts and opinions on it, but everyone will have the reason. And it doesn't mean that any reason isn't valid. It's just that they're different reasons and people are all holding on to slightly different information at the moment. So I kind of think at least if you can get the first vaccine, that's better than nothing. It's like when we talk about exercise, you know, doing <laughs> yeah. a half-hearted workout is better than nothing at all. So why would we not try and get some immunity going there? Yeah. It might not be enough to totally immunize you up against every strand of COVID, against the 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 less severe strains of COVID and, and, and to still have a response, but maybe not as bad a response. But at least 
you've got something for your own protection. It might not protect those around you, yeah. but at least it will protect protect you. I want to go back to something you said right at the start, and that was talking about the amount of information that's out there and the amount of, of information that is being rehashed and, and recast and is versions of the original information. And for me, as someone who teaches media, I've just stopped listening to some of that stuff. I've just tuned it out. And I've said, you know what? I'm going to go look up the WHO material. I'm going to go look up what the British government is saying directly and get their information as opposed to letting a journalist read it and tell me what it says. I'm going to go get that press release document. I'm going to get the French stuff or the countries that I trust. You know, maybe it's it's Canada, maybe it's the US, maybe it's Australia, but get it directly. Give it a little read. You can get on their email lists and get their press releases and their press packages and I'm going to start making up my own mind because I realize that some of these journalists, and I, you know, I work in that profession, they don't have a clue what they're talking about. I mean, truly, they're doing a disservice to you and me. It's, it's awful because I once wrote a blog called Medical Media or Medical Media Monstrous Hysteria. Was what oh, I you got to repost that. Let's repost that one. There have been some really amazing aspects of medicine that have now become obsolete because the media have taken a a viewpoint on them and ruined them, ruined the population's opinion, made people quite angry about things that are really very excellent and have wonderful ideas for patients. And people have now, they don't want it and they're frightened of it. And it's all thanks to the media and because it's sold some newspapers, which I find completely, completely disgraceful. Personally, I use only three sources for anything to do with COVID, really. I'll read other things, but the ones that I will then relay to other people are the CDC, so that's the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention um, based in America, the WHO, which is sort of like worldwide based in Switzerland, um, but both of those will take information from all around the world. And the the third one is from the Royal College. So, for instance, different specialties in the UK will have the Royal College of General Practitioners, the Royal Mm. College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. These are the three people that I will then relay information to. They are trustworthy, they are non-biased, and they just have the best interests of the population as a whole at heart. They are not people that are sponsored in any way. They do not receive funding to do certain things. And, and it's not, they're not media. They will have public relations officers mm. who will try and sell things potentially in, in a, a, a polite and familiar way. But the information is sound and it is from, from research only. So I think be very careful what you read. Read them if you want to, like I do. I, I read them. Um, take, you know, you've got to make your own viewpoint on them. But ultimately, just be careful and, and do look ultimately at the trust sources, um, such as those. Who is it? Who do you go to, James? Like, who's yeah, your go-to? I, I like the CDC. Um, I like the Royal College, and I like to listen to Doctor Tam in Canada. So, looking at the Canadian government's information. So, yeah, and and I guess we we ultimately generally and and the World Health Organization, of course. I think we all tend as as nationals from somewhere to revert back to our own countries as well. So I like to get a, a little bit of a, a nicer little load. And it's funny because, you know, you might say the CDC, well, Canada, the U.S., we're, we're right beside each other. We, we have different views on a lot of things, different medical systems, different ways of, of approving or disapproving things. And it's it's they're different systems. And I think looking at a, a nice 
bundle of trustworthy sources and not getting the two-step flow theory where I'm getting the information from someone else who's processed it for me. I want to do a little bit of that processing myself to make the decisions. And I mean, more times than not, when I've read something from the WHO that's, that a journalist has said, well, the WHO says, or Tetros has said, Dr. Tetros has said, and you kind of go, hold on a second. That's not what he said. I, I watched it. I read it. That's not what he said. They've, they've decontextualized it. And so I think it's really important that we, and, and you said it, use your common sense and, and in this case, do that little extra due diligence on thinking about things. And the, the one thing to sort of go away with, because we've talked about vaccines, so we've sort of skimmed them, haven't we? And we've yeah. given it a sort of a general overview, is that if you were to just spend your time on social media, it would seem that there's an awful lot of people that cannot have the vaccine. That is so not true. It's so not true. You might have your own personal reservations. I mean, I've admitted, I feel a little bit touchy because it's just come out very quickly, but I... I console myself with the science and and from trusted colleagues and from those trusted sources that this is the right thing to do. And there is nothing out there to suggest that we shouldn't do it. And as I say, majority of this, even if we're told it's quite new, brand spanking new technology, it's actually not, um, is that most people can have the vaccine. If somebody is a little bit different, so someone's diabetic, they're immunosuppressed, they're taking hard-hitting drugs like methotrexate, you can still have the vaccine. It's just slightly moderated, and that's something for you to discuss with your doctor about how you take the vaccine, how you moderate your medications before and after the vaccine to still have it. And actually, these are the people that need it the most. There's nothing to suggest pregnant women should not have it. People looking about having children should not have it. The only people that are a definite no for the vaccine are people that are allergic to the ingredients. And again, that depends on what particular vaccine you go for. So if you've had, if you're somebody that's had an anaphylactic reaction, that is a life threatening allergic reaction that happens within minutes of having a vaccine in the past, go and do your homework, speak to your doctor about that particular vaccine that you're looking at getting. They are the only people that are an absolute no for that vaccine. And to be honest, majority of the vaccinations currently with COVID do not have the major um, ingredients that tend to cause these anaphylactic type reactions. So again, it's pretty much open to 99.9% of the population. So it's time to get active. Jenna, this this has been a lot of fun. I got to say, I hate to have to cut us short, but you know what? Informative educational entertaining and neve is sleeping you see she's the quietest baby in the world thank you very you nearly much kicked off before james i've been doing some vigorous rocking with my left arm <laughs> jenna thank you very much for this and i really appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts on vaccines and more i hope people feel a little bit more at ease and thank you very much Doc Talk with Dr. Jenna Burton right here on Podaholics. We'll do it all again real soon. Thank you very much for listening. Follow us, Podaholics with a K. See you soon.